Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, music, faith, and community. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? Um, we had a vote earlier, and I'd be really curious to know, we had a very strong pro-ham uh, testimony that was given. And I'm curious, who is pro-turkey? Pro- oh, okay, okay. I see some. And then who is pro-ham slash not turkey? Okay, Chris, I see some. Scott, yes. Robin, yes. Um, turkey is garbage meat. Well, I'm so happy that you're here, even if you're suffering a turkey hangover. <laughs> um, I'm so glad that, that you're here. Or maybe you have uh, an emotional hangover, depending on how your Thanksgiving was. This is one of the few times a year we're with our whole family, right? Did Aunt Donna comment on your weight again? Or did your grandpa ask when you were finally going to have kids? Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> uh, personally, I, I really enjoyed the time off of the, the pastoral clock, although I will say I walked straight into Thanksgiving number two, and as I was grabbing hands with the 18 people in the Sullivan family, everyone turned and said, oh, Jenna's here. Jenna, you say the prayer. <laughs> so I, there, there I was. But it is this time of being together, it's, it's a complicated time, right? For some, maybe it brought joy and connection and a time to say thank you for what we're thankful for. Uh, peaceful connections and shared stories over sweet potato casserole. For others, though, maybe it brought up some grief over the people at the table that weren't there this year that we wished could be there. Maybe empty chairs or um, people that we, we are grieving. And also, maybe it brought up some of the rage and grief of violence against Native Americans, a story that did not go the way that the very large inflatable scene on Swiss Avenue that has a huge inflatable pilgrim and an inflatable turkey (laughs) with a giant sign that says photo ops available. Maybe our country's history isn't as simple as a giant inflatable turkey and pilgrim that we can take pictures in front of. And maybe for most of us, it was kind of a mix of all of that. Some grief, some joy. And that's kind of what life and faith is, right? A mix of, of things. Our plates were full of these mushy casseroles, and maybe if you're like me, your insides felt a little mushy at times, too. But the good news is that today you get to gather at a different table. You get to gather at the table of God, with your family of God, because the gospel brings us together in our love of Christ. And the thing that doesn't unite us, or we're not united by a common last name, but we're united by our love of Jesus and the ways that he is bringing new life to our lives. And that means that our 
our family table might look a little different than how your grandma decorated it. It means that we may not get to control who shows up or who gets to be invited. But when we come and we link hands with each other, we're seen and known for who we are and we get to connect with this great story, this great story of the risen Christ who lives in us. Today we're concluding our series on unraveling and I'm hoping today that we might together weave a new pattern of gratitude. And I'm not talking about just, you know, giving thanks, right? An obligatory nod to a federal holiday or an American complicated myth. I'm talking about a gratitude that's rooted in God's bountiful blessings that tether us to the Holy Spirit and to each other. I'm talking about real gospel gratitude. So how does our culture teach us to be thankful? Think, think for a minute about this, this holiday we've just been, uh, been through. And I want you to imagine a scene with me. And it's, think about the scene from Talladega Nights, you know, where they're all at the dinner table and they're thankful for the little baby Jesus. I'm not gonna go full baby Jesus route, but I want you to conjure up that image in your head and imagine a family that's all around the dinner table and imagine a patriarch who has been asked to pray. And he's, he's linked hands with the whole family and he says, Lord, thank you for everything that we've been given. Thank you so much for this, this table, thank you for all my wonderful blessings. Thank you, God, that I have everything I need and I have you and you and you and I'm just completely content, Lord, with my blessings. Oh, and thank you, Lord, the most for the bargain deals I'm about to get at Black Friday. It's a little bit of a weird transition between hashtag blessed and hashtag bargain, isn't it? But that's how our culture does gratitude. One obligatory day in the whole calendar year, but don't linger there in gratitude for long because there might be a bargain you're gonna miss out on. And so your inbox becomes flooded with all kinds of messages about really good deals that you can't give up. But how do we go from being so content with everything we have to being focused and running and rushing to Best Buy for everything we don't. Surely there's a better way. And surely gospel gratitude can teach us about that. Gratitude marked Paul, the apostle's journey in Christ. He was so grateful for what Jesus had done on the cross and in the resurrection, that he never shut up about it his whole life long. He just kept talking about it and telling everyone about it. And this gratitude was the pattern that wove his life together and it wove the community of early Christians together, the same community that we are part of, that somehow we're woven into this long line of Jesus followers. And I want to read you a passage from Ephesians 
where Paul is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says. I'm in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you know the hope to which you are called. The riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but the age to come. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you see the pattern of Paul's gratitude? He doesn't stop giving thanks. Remembering God's people in his prayers. You know, there's the scripture about praying without ceasing. Well, in this case, Paul's prayers are his thanksgiving that doesn't cease. Paul's life has unraveled in many ways. He went from persecuting those who claimed to follow Jesus. He was the bad guy on all accounts by many ways of looking at it. But he has this powerful experience with the risen Lord that changes everything for him and things really unravel after that because then he dedicates his life to this love that will not let him go. This love that changes everything. And these early followers of Jesus, they're facing a lot of unraveling too. Their previous understandings of who God is, the God that their parents told them about and their parents' parents and tradition and culture and society and all of that is kind of unraveling because of this Messiah named Jesus who loves them, who will not let them go who died and was rose from the dead and is bringing something back to life in them. So all of the other stuff has to unravel so that they can come to understand Jesus and this good news. So how does true gospel gratitude come into play? How is Paul so grateful even after he's faced such hardship and uncertainty. He's lost his previous sense of identity. And how does he emphasize gratitude in the midst of all of this? Well, I think gratitude is so much more than just something we do one time a year. Paul understood that gratitude was the spiritual thread 
that weaved between people and communities. It was the thing that tethered him to God. And friends, it's the same for us. Gratitude is a way for us to recognize the ways that God has not let us go just yet. But let's go ahead and break down, let's unravel all of the other shamey versions of gratitude that we see in our culture. You probably know this in your own life. Maybe someone, after you share a really hard thing in your life, they say, well, it could be worse. So you should just feel grateful. <laughs> you know, I, I um, you know, my mother just passed away. Well, at least you had a mother. <laughs> That's kind of an extreme example, but we can giggle and, and chuckle too because it really is that extreme sometimes. When we're in the midst of our grief, we feel that someone all of a sudden gratitude shames us. And so now we are hurting and also supposed to feel grateful for the thing we're hurting about. And, and it just, oh, pass the turkey and just leave me alone is how you might want to respond. But I don't think that this is the kind of gratitude that Paul is talking about, or is it the kind of gratitude that God calls us to? It's not a shame-filled gratitude. It's not a it-could-be-worse gratitude. The other ways that gratitude is used in our society is kind of a happiness hack. You might have seen this too. You know, that article that says, three ways to feel more grateful and improve your serotonin and your happiness. So then gratitude just becomes an individual tool for being happier. And it's a manifestation hack, a private individual experience, a hack to being happier. But this isn't what gospel gratitude is about either. So what, what is it? Dr. Becky is a very popular child psychologist that um, has really gone viral in the last few years as parents have wanted to have more parenting support. And many people follow Dr. Becky on Instagram and she has great advice. But recently I saw a video where Hilary Duff, the childhood um, Lizzie McGuire, who's not Lizzie McGuire anymore, she's grown up and now has kids and calls on Dr. Becky for advice. But she asked Dr. Becky, she said, you know, how do I get my kids to feel grateful for all the things I'm doing behind the scenes for them? You know, like when I sign them up for camp and I clean their room and I forgive them when they do something bad, how do I get my kids to feel grateful? And you could tell she really was sincerely wanting this. And maybe the parents in the room connect with this, right? You want your kid to feel appreciative of the blessings, of all the ways that you're working behind the scenes to make life better for them. Dr. Becky said, you know, Hillary, Kids won't always express gratitude, but 
they feel secure with you and their secure base in the world is a sign that they appreciate you. And so you have to learn to validate yourself, essentially. So she didn't solve the, question, solve the problem for, for young parents, right? She didn't say, oh, this is how I get your four-year-old to feel so, so grateful. Because as kids, they're not, they're not really always going to verbalize that. But I want you to take this example and bring God into it. How can we develop the maturity as Christians to start to honor all the ways that God, our heavenly parent, is working behind the scenes on our behalf? Not in a shamey way, not in a way to make you feel bad about yourself, but how can we start to appreciate those little threads of grace that weave together in our lives. Because there's so much to be grateful for. And we don't do this because we have to show God gratitude, right? The fundamentalism that many of us are recovering from would say that you're sinning if you don't if you don't show gratitude, that you need to show gratitude to give back to God, to earn your salvation. No, 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 we're not doing any of that. We don't earn our salvation. Our salvation is grace. And it's the same that little kids don't have to say thank you when a parent goes beyond and above to make something happen. But as we grow in our spirits, as we grow in our connection to Jesus and God, we choose to show gratitude to God. We choose to see that there are threads of grace. There are miracles in our lives that deserve to be appreciated. There are moments where the story didn't end, where you thought it would end. There are relationships you thought were over that became restored. There are whole chapters of your life that God is still writing. And this, my friends, is grace. And so as we grow in our connection to God, not because we have to say thank you, but we choose to say thank you. We choose to say thank you, God. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for writing new stories in my life. And then when we practice this gratitude, it interrupts other states of being. And sometimes we need the Lord to interrupt us. <laughs> we might be feeling dread or anxiety. And gratitude offers us another option, a resource, not to dismiss the pain and the harmful things we're going through, but as another part of the story. It's the other thing that's there. 
it goes, it takes us from, oh my gosh, I have this big performance, I'm so nervous about, what if I screw it up, to I get to showcase my talent and God's going to be with me. It, it takes us from, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about messing up this kid that I'm in charge of parenting. What if I get it wrong? What if I screw everything up to, okay, God, I, I've been blessed with this child and I have the opportunity to parent him or her with your help. It takes us out of perfectionism, which assumes there's a right way and a wrong way to do something. It takes us out of anxiety because suddenly we're just grateful for an experience and we're not as worried about getting it wrong or right. And then the other thing that, that Paul seems to realize about gratitude is that it is about community. Gratitude is not just an individual happiness hack. It's the thread between us. That's why Paul thanks, gives thanks for others, right? When we thank others for their acts, we don't take simple acts for granted. And this strengthens our relationships between each other. Research has shown that gratitude increases feelings of oxytocin and strengthens bonds between humans. That's pretty powerful. But we're not going to just start practicing gratitude to improve our relationships. Right? We're shifting the paradigm. Because I think that this research is evidence that gratitude tethers us to each other. And that it pleases God when we say thank you to someone else. It's really easy to become focused on what's wrong with someone. It's really easy to become focused on what's wrong with yourself. It's really easy to become focused on what's wrong with your community. It's really easy to become focused on what's wrong with any part of this human experience. But gratitude interrupts that negativity, directs us to all the good that God is doing, all the good that God has done and all the good that God will continue to do. And it gives us a resource, a reconnection, when there are things that happen in our lives that we don't feel gratitude for. Because hear me say this, gratitude should not be used as a tool of shame. It should never be used as a way to compare and say, oh, things could be worse. That's cheap gratitude. That's not the gratitude that the gospel calls us to. This gratitude appreciates everything, little and big. The breath in our lungs, the heartbeat that Scott the painter, the, the liturgical artist says, is something that keeps us alive that we're not in charge of, our heartbeat. When's the last time you gave thanks for your heartbeat? You don't control it. You don't have to operate it. 
it does pretty well on its own by the grace of God. Thank you. Thank you reconnects us to where the Spirit is moving. It strengthens our relationships, and it, I think God delights in our gratitude. Not because God needs our gratitude, but I think God delights when we take the time to remove ourselves from the hustle and bustle and scarcity and fear and look up to the sky and say, wow, God, you created all of this. Thank you. I think God delights in that. We become less focused with what is wrong with someone or something, and we have opened eyes to see what is right. And also, gratitude focuses on the bigger picture. We can see the ways that God has shown up in our lives again and again and again. This is certainly true for me. I don't know about you, but God has woven a thread of grace in my life that I'm not responsible for and is a really, really good thing. Has it all been easy? No. Have there been feelings of despair and anxiety? Sure. But gratitude helps us see the bigger picture the ways that, like Wendy shared from that prayer, there's a scaffolding that's supporting us. And so I wonder what it would be like to be thankful for each other in this season. Because I think that as a community, gratitude will be a pretty important thing as we move forward into the seasons ahead. We're, you know, we're a pretty small church right now and we have a lot of volunteers doing a lot of different things. And it would be really, really easy for each of us to take for granted the work, the effort, the labor, the prayer that other people in this room have put in. So today, when you're on your way to lunch or you're, you go back to the, your busy lives, I have a task for you. I want you to say thank you to someone in this community. I want you to think about the ways that the actions of that person have blessed you have shown you something about who God is, and I want you to take the time to say thank you. And then I want you to notice, you're gonna be, you're gonna put on your curious eyes, maybe take your journal out later today, and I want you to notice what that act of saying thank you did for your connection with that person. What happened? What do you notice? Lamont is a writer and she has three prayers that she says are the three essential prayers. Help, thanks, and wow. 
We're really good at the prayer of help. And sometimes we get wow. But thanks is an important prayer too. And it doesn't cancel out the help or the wow. She says, gratitude begins in our hearts and then dovetails into behavior. It almost makes, it almost always makes you willing to be of service, which is where joy resides. When you are aware of all that has been given to you in your lifetime in the past few days, it's hard not to be humbled and pleased to give back. This is what gratitude can do, friends. It can strengthen our connections to each other. It strengthens our connection to God. You might have heard of the band, The Grateful Dead. They chose that name based on an Egyptian prayer. Jerry Garcia said he liked the name because it was about, it was just an Egyptian prayer. But think about the name, The Grateful Dead. Don't wait till you're dead to be grateful. What if we become the grateful living? What if we become grateful for every breath, every heartbeat, every thread of grace that tethers us to God? What if we become grateful for the love of Christ that will not ever let us go? That's a pattern of gratitude that I think is worth weaving.